0: Hey everyone, welcome on this Saturday morning to our 8 a.m. devotional. And uh, even though we're socially distant, uh, a reminder, we don't have to live in spiritual isolation. We're gonna make it through this and we're gonna make it through it together. And I appreciate you guys jumping in for the ride and being so encouraging. In fact, if you're online with us right now in the comment section, tell us where you're watching from, encourage somebody. And also, uh, if you have a prayer request, put it out there as well. And if you are a prayer or can become one today, or everybody's a prayer partner today. Pray for somebody, all right? So grab a Bible. And what we're doing is we're simply reading through the book of John. And today we're going to be in chapter 20 of the book of John. And by the way, if you don't know, my name is Tim. I'm with New Hope Church in Texas. And uh, I'm in the 288 auditorium. Can you all see the 288 Auditorium behind me? Can you see it? <clears throat> um, I have only a handful of people here with me. In fact, there's Larry, there's Travis behind the camera, and there's Jordan right here beside me and uh, and that's it. 75,000 plus square foot building and we keep the numbers in check here at uh, 288 Campus. Uh, gotta keep it under 10, that's the rules now for us. And, even when you come through the door, they have some temperature gauges out there that you check your temperature, write down what your temperature is, and you know have a list of questions for you to answer and so forth. So this is, uh, <clears throat> this is our present reality, but it won't last, okay? It's going to be different soon. And in John chapter 20, we see something else that was empty. Kind of like this room is empty, something else that was empty, but it's not a bad thing. It's also empty, but it it, it, it will last. Like, like, this won't last. This auditorium will be filled again someday, <clears throat> hopefully someday soon. The empty tomb is still empty to this day. And I know that because I saw it. And uh, this is what the good news is, that Jesus is not dead. He's alive. And tomorrow morning at church, 945, online, uh, uh, that's 945 Central Standard Time, USA. We're gonna celebrate. So I would encourage you, please invite, invite, invite. And in that sermon tomorrow, uh, pray for me, because what I'm gonna try to do is I'm just gonna try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that everybody can reach them. And I'm believing that God will use our present circumstances that we're now in to reach someone who would never consider sitting in one of these chairs would never consider showing up in a church anywhere but tomorrow they're going to be in church so to speak and there are going to be people i'm believing this and i want you to believe with me There are going to be people whose lives will change forever tomorrow because finally they find faith in jesus christ I'm believing it. I want you to pray and believe that with me as well. It's gonna be a good day. It's gonna be a good day as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Not to get ahead of myself here, but I've kind of made the commitment to read through the whole book of John. Word for word, just read through the whole book of John until we get to the very end, which is gonna be on Monday of this next week. Day after tomorrow, we'll be done with the book of John. But uh, I can't read all of the verses tomorrow in the sermon. Uh, I guess I could, but I've got a little different tack I want to take tomorrow. So instead of doing John chapter 20 tomorrow in the sermon, I'm going to do John chapter 20 today. So we get to celebrate Easter early. And if you remember yesterday uh, was Good Friday, we read uh, chapter 18 and 19 about Jesus's arrest, his torture, his beatings his questioning, and finally his crucifixion, and then being laid into the tomb. So that's kind of where we left him. But that, again, is not the end of the story. Thank you, God. Uh, John chapter 20, beginning verse one. Early on the first day of the week, which is tomorrow, Sunday morning. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed From the entrance, and just so you know, um, just so you know, if if you've read the other Gospels, there are some details that are different in each of the stories. So, and you might read them sometimes. You go, wait, wait, wait. Is there one angel or two? Did the women get there first? Uh, Was it a women or was it a woman? Did she talk to an angel or did she talk to Jesus or both? Was the angel seated on the stone or was he seated? Uh, or was there two and they're seated in the tomb? But the truth is, if all four Gospels gave exactly the same story in the same order with exactly the same details, we would immediately be suspicious and critics of the Bible would immediately be suspicious. None of the four four Gospels give all of the same details of what happened in the story, which I believe makes it more believable. And I say that because if if something happened at my house and all three, let's say my kids are younger and all three of the kids are at the house and something happens, like something gets broken or something, and I come home and they all have the exact same story like i separate them and i say tell me what happened and they have the exact same phrases and 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 they tell me the exact same story with the exact same details i would know that they were lying that they had worked together to make up a story that was believable for me but if i took them apart and they all gave me a slightly different story from a slightly different perspective as they saw it unfold or saw the event happen, then I could piece it together and know what is true in that story, what, what they all saw, but they saw from different perspective. It makes it more believable. It's like, um, it's like the, the, the four gospels are like uh, four guys standing on four different street corners watching the same car crash. Each one of them is going to have something different to say about They're gonna have a different take on it. One's gonna go, wow, you know, the rear view mirror flew off and hit this lady that was walking over here, you know, or, or this bike swerved out of the way and ran into a pole when it happened. While the other ones won't even mention that. They're all gonna mention what they see from their vantage point. So just so you know, the the four gospel writers have a slightly different vantage point and uh, perspective, and so that shows up in their telling of the story. But you take those four and you look, and you and you say, what's the big truth here? I'll just cut to the chase. Here's the big truth: Jesus rose from the dead. Details of how they figured that out might be a little bit different. How they tell the story, but the truth is there: Jesus rose from the dead. So all that to get to verse two, and I need to keep moving here. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. (laughs) Which, by the way, that's how John, who wrote this, refers to himself, the disciple that Jesus loved, which is cool. You know, Jesus loved all the disciples, but John just, I mean, he liked to use this title about himself because he felt a special kinship with our Lord. Uh, So she came running. She kids to verse two again. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, which is John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, which is John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, which is John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Okay, we get it, John, you're faster than Peter. Awesome, awesome, dude, that's hilarious. Um, verse, uh, verse five. He bent over and looked into and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go into the tomb. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first. Wow, John. Wow, we get it. You you got there first. Uh, also sorry. Also went inside. And he saw and he believed, but they still did not understand. So they believed what Mary had said that Jesus was not in the tomb, but believe, believe, not, not quite yet. They still did not this is verse nine, they still did not understand from script that Jesus from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Verse ten. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They said, 'Uh, they have taken my Lord away, she said. 'Uh, And I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. Wait, she didn't. She turned around, saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. Why didn't she? She knows Jesus. Why didn't she realize that it was Jesus? Maybe it's the the fog of sadness that kept her from seeing Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had those moments in your life where you've been grieving so much that you just forget things, just simple things. And uh, maybe sometimes it's our sadness that keeps us from seeing Jesus. Maybe it's said Jesus is like a fish out of water because she saw him die. She saw him die. She knows he's in that tomb. And I don't know if you've ever seen someone that's like a fish out of water. Maybe maybe somebody that you uh, went to college with and all of a sudden you see them in your hometown where you lived that's far away from the college. And you're like, wait, what? Uh, are you who I think you are? And it. You just, it makes it hard to recognize someone when they're not in the place that you would believe or think that they would be in. And so you have to do a double take. And here's Mary doing a double take. And verse 15, he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, verse verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. That's it. Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So she, he says one word, he says her name. Obviously, she had heard him say her name many, many times. And, uh, when, she, when he said her name, that's all it took for her to recognize his voice and recognize him. Verse 17, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And another, just so you know, another interpretation of this would be... Uh, don't hold me back from going to my father. Um, so there's some translations that actually say, don't touch me. Don't touch me. But the word here really means to hold. And I'm, I'm believing that this means he's, he's got something he has to do. And so he says, don't hold on to me yet. I got things I got to do. So uh, like like you seeing me right now is a short term deal. Uh, It's not that she can't touch him, it's that she can't keep him from doing what he needs to do next, okay? Because we know he didn't mean touch because soon after this he's telling people to touch him, okay? So let's see here, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, "'I have seen the Lord.' And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "Peace be with you." Hey, locked doors don't stop Jesus. After he said this, he showed his hands and he showed his side. He was talking about the scars of the wounds there. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, "Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you now and with that he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit which this is um okay he's he's uh speaking sort of prophetically about what's going to happen to them because the actual time when they receive the holy spirit is after he ascends on and on the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2. So, if you want to look at Acts chapter two, sometimes you can, sometimes you can see what he's talking about. But he's kind of going through the motions. He says, uh, "As as as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you." Or, or we could interpret it this way: I'm about to send you. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven and let me just stop right there because this verse confuses a lot of people it almost sounds like uh, Jesus is giving his disciples the ability to forgive sins but that's not the case when you when you really look at this within the context of this passage and you see his sacrifice and we know from uh, okay I'm gonna guess Okay, so I might be wrong about this. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 22, where it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no sac- Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That his bloodshed is the thing that forgives people of their sins. And so he says here in this text, as the father has sent me, now I'm sending you and, and you're going to get the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you're going to, and I'm putting this in a nutshell, hopefully so you can understand it, that what they're going to do when they're sent is they're going to take his gospel of forgiveness and salvation to the folks. And if somebody accepts that as they have been sent, as the disciples have been sent, if someone accepts that message of Jesus, then they are forgiven. If they don't, they are not. It's, it's really more, uh, simple. It's not, it's not here that Jesus gave the disciples the prerogative or the, um, the, the sole ability to decide who gets forgiven and who does not. Verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, I know why he went by Thomas, uh, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the, where the nails have been and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them and Jesus decided to take Thomas up on that offer. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them again and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, okay, brother. Okay, I just put that in there. Uh, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out and put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, "My Lord and my God." Then Jesus told him, "Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe." We we've been as we have been reading through John. Uh, and we're almost done, we'll get done on, uh, on Monday. But the purpose of John's writing, he says it a couple of times, and he says it uh, one time here in this chapter, in verse 30, and then we'll see it again on uh, Monday. Verse 30 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are, these, these, these miraculous signs are, written that you may believe so so the reason that John wrote this down is for you and for me so that we can believe and what are we believing? it says so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that by believing in his name uh, and that you may have life in his name, let me read that again because I messed it up But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Uh, There, I got it. So, a question for you. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? And if you do, you have life in His name. And if you don't believe today, like, like this is all new to you and you just kind of happened upon this devotional today. I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to take that little bit of faith, that little bit of belief, and I want you to put it in Jesus today. And just trust him and uh, breathe a prayer to him today and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And just put whatever faith you have, it doesn't have to be much, the Bible says. In fact, the thing that we're believing in is more important than the amount of faith that we have. Like I can have a lot of faith in, in, in something that, is like a bridge that's gonna break. I can put a lot of faith in it, but the bridge is still gonna break. It doesn't depend on how much faith I have. It depends on the bridge. And I'm just telling you, the bridge of Jesus Christ that helps us to cross over from death to life is a strong bridge. If you have just a little bit of faith and take a step of faith onto that bridge of faith who is Jesus, He's going to hold you, and you're going to be able to cross over from death to life, from being in your sins to being forgiven. And So today you can do that, and I hope that you do. So okay, tomorrow's Easter, wow, tomorrow's Easter. Invite a friend, invite a lot of friends, tag all your friends on social media. And uh, let's get a bunch of people in church tomorrow so that they can hear about Jesus and how much He loves them and what He did for them. And uh, and maybe, hopefully, prayerfully, tomorrow we'll see people, hopefully many people, put their faith in Him. So Monday, we're going to finish John. Uh, Tuesday, since uh, it's probably going to be a tough week with this uh, crisis that we're going through, uh, we're going to do different readings. And I'm just going to pick some readings out of the Bible that encourage me personally. I'm going to read through those with you, and I hope that you'll join me. That's going to begin on Tuesday when we get into those, hopefully, encouraging encouraging passages of Scripture that can help us make through a, make it through a very tough week. So join me every day, 8 a.m., pray hard. We're going to make it through this. And as I always tell you guys, the best way to make it through this is together. Love you guys. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive. Thank you that you were powerful enough to break the bonds of sin and death and to win the victory, not just for yourself, but for everyone who would believe on your name. I pray that, God, that you would heal those who are sick, that uh, those who are well, that you would protect them, those who are fighting, on the front lines of this thing, Lord, I pray that You would give them what they need—the the wisdom, the guidance, the strength, the protection that they need. I pray for those who are are struggling a little bit financially because of loss of income. I pray that You would make a way for them. God, I pray that You would give us strength as a nation to make it through this. And uh, as I keep this just keeps running through my head, Lord, the only way to make it through is to make it through. The only way to get through is to get through. So help us, Lord, to get through this to the other side, because I know our best days are ahead of us. So, Lord, keep us together, keep us strong, keep us worshiping you. Take care of the people in our community, Lord. Take care of my church family. Give us a good Easter tomorrow, Lord. I pray that uh, many hearts are drawn to you tomorrow, God. People who would never think of walking through the doors of a church, I pray that tomorrow they'll walk into salvation through through your son and what he did for us. I pray all this in his powerful, powerful name and all the people said, amen. Love you guys so much. And I will see you tomorrow morning at, uh, we're gonna open up the doors a little bit early, maybe 9.30 or so. And then the service begins at 9.45. God bless. See you then. Bye-bye.